The grace and peace of Christ be with you. We welcome you on this Pentecost Sunday morning as we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand and greet one another. We're glad that you're here today, and especially if you're visiting with us, we'd like to welcome you in the name of Christ. There is a friendship pad that's at this end of each pew on the center end. We'd love to have you fill it out, whether you're a regular or a visitor today, and let us know that you're worshiping with us. And pass it down the pew so everybody else can fill it out too. There's our announcement sheet in the bulletin, our connections. You'll see that at 10 o'clock this morning, we are not having our Romans Bible study this week. However, instead, we are having an adult education class in the parlor, Dr. Cordulia Dick Mielke. I heard her talk this last week. She is the expert in senior adults, in aging. And what she's going to talk about today is some new things in end-of-life decisions. They sound like they are easy to figure out, but she w she's going to help us understand why it's rather subtle. And you, I think you will just love hearing Cordula Mul Dick Mulkey. Uh, also, this, uh, this Tuesday uh, is our book discussion for The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. If you've read the book, you're welcome to come. It's not a closed group. It's open to anybody. You'll also see that there is something that we've not advertised before but has been going on, and that is that on Friday night there is an annual blessing of the artists up at St. Catherine's Church. You're welcome to join in that. Our adult education class continues in two weeks responding to God's mercy, and that was going to be featuring Chelsea Williams and Craig Williams on that Sunday, two weeks from, this, from today. Also that same evening, June 7th, we have a special evening from our mission committee featuring Abreli and William Muzerwa. They were survival, survivors of the Rwanda genocide, and now she is working with the Outreach Foundation and the Tumaini Children's Home, which many of us sponsor children in. So it's a chance to hear about both of those stories. Also, our, our, in three weeks, we have our concert coming up from all of our musical groups, and you'll notice this year something special. There's an ice cream social just before that. This Saturday will be the memorial service for Louise Buckley, longtime member of this church and prominent person in town. We hope you'll join us for that. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Holy One of Israel, one triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, anoint us in this hour by your word and spirit. Transform your people. Fill us up with your own presence and power. Cause us to see the world in a new way and to hear your call for us to participate in it for the sake of your kingdom. We praise you. We adore you. We love you. We join as brothers and sisters around the world to worship you. Amen. Eternal, Eternal. 
When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. Church, we sing the Veni Sancte Spiritus. Come, Holy Spirit, together. Veni Sancte Spiritus. 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 Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Let's sing Church Veni Sante, Spiritus, come Holy Spirit.
Church, you feel the spirit? Let's sing together to you, O oh God. To you, O oh God, I lift up my soul. Lift up my spirit to my Lord.
fall afresh on us this morning. Remind us of the good news that we celebrate this morning, that you are with us, that you are for us. Spirit of living God, fall afresh on me. Let's sing that together, church. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's be seated, church. You can come on. It is because of God's great grace that we dare to come before him and tell him the truth about ourselves. There is, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. And those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And so let us to confess together in unison to the Lord. Let us pray. Burn in us this morning, Holy Spirit. We give you the places of our hearts that have been choked by the cares of this world. We give you our tiredness, our sin, our struggles with apathy. We await your fiery cleansing as we wait before you in this silence.
Amen. My friends, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to the grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. Not only that, we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Lord, I keep so busy praising my Jesus. Keep so busy praising my Jesus. Keep so busy praising my Jesus. Ain't got time. Read from uh, Romans chapter 8, looking back a little bit in some of Paul's words about the Holy Spirit in our lives that we celebrate today. 
Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 12. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive the spirit of fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. And we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Verse 26, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. In chapter 12, verse 9, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Or as the message translation says, don't burn out. Keep yourselves refueled and aflame. Serve the Master, the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Lord, we do lift our hearts to you in this hour, praying for the illumination of your Holy Spirit, for your Spirit to bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God on our way into the fullness of life. We ask in your name.
Amen. Well, our life stories are parables in many ways. If we have eyes to see and ears to hear and look around us, we can see many things that speak to us spiritual truth about the needs of our lives. I don't know about your house, but in our house we have, um, we have two iPhones and we have two iPads and we have a Kindle and we have wireless phones We both have Fitbit watches that need to be charged on a regular basis. Not only that, but we've got all these wires to charge them with. And Kay's gone to the point where she's got one color on one and one color on another to make sure that we maintain our boundaries as to whose wire is whose wire and whose plug-in is whose plug-in. I don't know what there is about it, but it seems like her batteries are always on zero. And she starts searching and grabbing wires wherever she can get them, and sometimes she takes mine. My charge gets down to 75%. I become anxious, start looking for the wires. And how is it that we all keep looking for the, two of us keep looking for the wires at the same time? Well, it's just another one of those dimensions of life that can be in a marriage that can be frustrated and produce conflict and uh, claiming of territory can be everything. Sometimes the gasoline tank in the car is the same way. How is it every time I get in her car, it's on empty? Mine gets down about one quarter full, and I, I make sure I get to the service station as quickly as I can. So we have these lively conversations about keeping our batteries charged. We live in a different time now, don't we? With the demands for electrical energy, for power from all sources. I mean, we need as much as we can get. Fossil fuel, wind, water, solar, nuclear. I mean, it goes on and on. When we redid the church here, we had to complete a new electrical system. With new wiring, we needed to service these lights and to provide electricity for all these musical instruments. We had to put a new a transformer at the back of our church, a whole new electrical system so that we could advance into the modern age. This sanctuary was built in 1928, still had the same wiring. We've come a long way since then, and we were always blowing circuit breakers. Like you, I I don't want to blow up my house or fry my devices or, or whatever. but I know that they all need to be recharged. But it's not only that. It's our bodies. In the totality of our being, body, mind, will, soul, that soul of ours that holds it all together, 
It needs recharging also. It needs to be plugged in to a source of energy that can keep us spiritually alive. Many years ago now, my doctor told me, look, Jerry, if you're going to keep yourself vital, you're going to have to get a right amount of sleep every night, a certain number of hours. You're going to have to uh, drink, eat the right foods. You're going to have to uh, drink in moderation. You're going to have to exercise. And so I enrolled in aerobics classes. I began to run. I began to walk. I didn't know I'd have to work so hard just to keep my energy up. But not just my physical energy, but my emotional and spiritual energy. Sunday mornings became an experience like filling up the bathtub with water and saying, there it's full. And by the time I returned home in the afternoon, the bathtub was empty. The water had all drained out. And I knew I needed to find a source of spiritual energy that could sustain my life. Ever have an experience like that? Sometime in the, in the mid to late 80s, I began to search in a way that was really authentic. It was not that I had not prayed or, or studied the Bible or focused on spiritual things up to that point, but I became aware that I needed something more. I needed a source of energy to plug into, and I, I enrolled in a course at Fuller Seminary in the Doctor of Ministry program called Spirituality and Ministry, and the teacher of that was Eugene Peterson, Presbyterian pastor, translator of the message. And he gave me a precious gift. He introduced me to the history of spiritual formation and to the saints who had dealt with the same issues with which I was dealing. And he taught our class that the Psalms of the Old Testament were the prayer book of Jesus, the music that was sung in the temple in Jerusalem, that told the story of God's work with Israel, that prayed every dimension of life, every prayer that I would ever need to pray. And he said, Jerry, if you pray those prayers, five of them a day, you'll pray through the Psalter, all 150 Psalms in 30 days. And then you can begin again. Because what you're signing up for when you become a Christian is a long obedience in the same direction. And I began to understand that there was a whole bunch of other spiritual disciplines as well to nurture my body and soul, to strengthen my inner life, to make me whole, to energize my ministry. I couldn't be standing here this morning if I had not discovered what it means to be alive in Christ. I was touched by John Ortberg's new book, John's pastor at Menlo Park Presbyterian Church, and it's called Soul Keeping. 
And it's a, it's a story of his relationship with uh, Dr. Dallas Willard, who was professor at USC, a guru there, head of the philosophy department, spiritual director for many, lives out, lived out in Simar, where a lot of other notorious people lived, that valley, had a simple house, had owned two houses actually out there. Both of them looked like libraries on the inside, filled with thousands of books. And John began to, to talk to Dallas, and he says, how is it that I am a, a pastor who teaches people that in, to live they have to die when all I'm really concerned about is becoming important and great? And I don't know how to love my own wife. And he said, he noticed that people would be near Dallas as he would speak, that uh, they'd take notes on what he said. He began to take his own notes. And he, he said, I observed that even his wife took notes. I thought to myself, I have not yet arrived at that place where my wife takes notes on what I say. But he said, Tell me, give it to me just in one sentence, Dallas, what the essence is, what the wisdom is. He said, John, you have to understand that the great threat to your soul is hurry. John, understand this, that it's not what you're doing are where you're doing it to establish your own importance. What really matters is who you are becoming. Who are you becoming? And all he could say was, huh? Dallas had discovered the secret that he was sharing with a fellow pastor of how to center his life in Christ to sit down long enough to get beyond hurry, to get up early enough, to open the Word, to pray the Psalms, to reflect upon scriptures of Old and New Testaments throughout the week, to come into worship on Sunday morning prepared to begin the journey again, sometimes feeling dull and empty and adrenaline depleted. That's often the way I felt on Monday. Can still feel that way. Adrenaline depleted. Mildly depressed. Irritable. I remember Gene Peterson saying, my wife and I, we take a walk every Monday together in the woods of Maryland. And we have an agreement that we will not speak to each other before noon. Because we both need that space as a part of our inner journey. And every Monday afternoon, Almost 24 hours after Sunday at noon, 
I look at my watch, and I begin to feel human again. And that's a part of the rhythm of our bodies. Because you see, in our soul keeping, we're on an inner journey. And we are responding to the invitation of God, Ho, everyone who's hungry, everyone who's thirsty, come to me, eat and drink. Why do you spend your money for things that do not satisfy? You're all hungry and thirsty. I'm hungry and thirsty for the living God. And we're in such a hurry that we're jamming everything we can get into us, whether it's money, sex, power, alcohol, sex, work, you name it. We're trying to fill that God vacuum and what we need more than anything else to be human is to be quiet, to stop running, to surrender, and simply rest in the Lord. Sometimes one minute, one hour, one day at a time. It's in the inner journey with God that we discover that we're fully human and fully empowered to be the persons that God intended us to be. And the interesting thing about that spiritual renewal process is that the more the inner journey is empowered, the more the outer journey is empowered so that we begin to see the world in a new way. I observed in the late 80s and 90s that as I was going deeper with Christ that I became sensitized to what God was doing in the world. And even in our own community, our presbytery, we became aware that God had brought the world to our doorstep, that we had a mission here of building new churches and redeveloping others. And we did that, and the door opened for us to minister in Romania with the Romanian orphans. I'll never forget that. Six of us congregations that went there to to work with the orphans in 1991. And then we were taken to India, I believe, by the Spirit, to build houses for the families of recovering lepers. I had never known or seen a leper And on Sunday morning in the chapel, when the leper crawled up to me on hands and knees to touch me, it was one of the great experiences of my life. And it wasn't an accident that I was there because it was God's way of showing me what's going on in the world and the work of the kingdom. We went to East Africa, and we drilled water wells there in our year of Africa. And that water began to symbolize the living water of the Spirit of God flowing forth from the heart of the American church. I had the privilege to be a part of the theological reflections at the core of our denomination and the General Assembly to be a mentor in the company of new pastors, of of helping our young pastors who are so vulnerable to learn to read Scripture and to pray the Scripture to keep themselves alive because the dropout rate of young pastors is, is exceedingly high. And if they do not learn at an early stage how to pray and read Scripture, they're dead. 
under the pressures and the stresses of the churches in which they are working. So the inner journey is not just for our own self-gratification. It's to awaken us to the fact that there are hungry people in the world. There are suffering people. There are refugees. There are broken people. And God has a mission of healing that brokenness and calling us to work for righteousness and justice and peace in our world. And we only have the energy to do that if the Holy Spirit is alive within us. My good pastor friend Tim McCalmont was with him this week. And before we prayed in our little group, he, he shared with me about his his recent trip. He just returned from Syria and Lebanon. I had told him before he went on this trip, too dangerous, Tim, don't do that, that's crazy. I don't want to see you in a picture with a yellow suit on. But he was a part of a delegation, the Presbyterian Church USA, representing all of our churches who have been seeking to alleviate the suffering of millions of refugees. He said, not just laboring people, but doctors and lawyers and business people, millions of them in Lebanon and in Jordan and in other places throughout the Middle East. And he said, we got into homes, Syria. We were taken there under army guard, And there we discovered what we knew already, that the church was alive, that the Spirit was at work, that the gospel was being proclaimed in those churches. And he said, on that Sunday, I was invited to preach. And he said, the city looked like Dresden in World War II, bombed out. But the Spirit alive in those Christians, seeking to minister to the needs of refugee people. He said, we came out and we met with the representatives of the Synod of Syria and Lebanon. We had great fellowship as a group. And he said, they asked us about the issues that are dividing the Presbyterian Church USA. And the response was, look, we're not of all one mind on some of these issues. But we are one and the same on this. That our hearts are united in the love of Jesus Christ. And we care about the suffering of the world because Christ is alive within us. And the potential tension resolved. And we were reminded that in the great work of the Presbyterian Church that we built these universities in Cairo and Beirut and theological schools and they've become the Harvards and the Princetons of the Middle East. As a part of our mission and schools are still being built. I looked at Tim's face and he looked exhausted. But in his eyes, the spirit was alive. This is the promise of Pentecost. And we remember this day that on the first day of creation that the Spirit was hovering over the deep, over the chaos. 
And God spoke, let there be, and everything that there is came into being, and it was very good, out of nothing, by the power of God's Word and Spirit. We remember the Easter message, that in a tomb outside the walls of Jerusalem, they laid the body, the dead body of Jesus, and sealed the tomb, but on that Easter Sunday morning, The presence of God breathed upon that body and the new creation was called forth in the resurrected body of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And remember on Pentecost, there was a small group of people, no more than 120 in an upper room in Jerusalem, waiting and praying. Having been commanded to stay there and to wait, until power came upon them from above and suddenly there was the roar of the wind and tongues of flame that rested upon everyone and the church was filled not just as an end unto itself but for the sake of carrying the witness that in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus the kingdom of God had broken into the world and the church was alive. The saints were alive. May this happen over and over again. It is happening around the world in places we least expected, and it can happen. It has been happening right here in Laguna Presbyterian Church at the center of this community, a lighthouse of the gospel on the west coast of the United States. May the power of God's word and spirit rest upon us. as we pause long enough to worship, to pray the Scriptures, to fellowship together, to come to the table, to be empowered for what God is doing in the world. Pray with me. Lord, in this hour, anoint us. Holy Spirit, burn in our hearts. Transform our minds. Give to us your vision of this world and how much you love it. Pour out your love through the power of the Spirit into our hearts. This we ask in your name. Amen. Let's stand and affirm our faith together. In the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3, that wonderful prayer, we read responsively. We bow before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name, praying, Our Father, according to your riches in glory, grant that we may be strengthened in our inner being with power through your Spirit, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith as we are being rooted and grounded in love. May we have the power to comprehend with all the saints the breadth and length and height and depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who by the power at work within us 
is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. Be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated as we receive our Pentecost offering.
today through a mighty strength, through the invocation of the Trinity, through the belief in threeness, through the confession of oneness of the creator of creation. Please stand as we sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings Holy God, from whom comes every good gift, as you sent your Holy Spirit at Pentecost, so send your Spirit afresh to transform our lives with the power of a mighty wind, so that we may love what you love and do what you do. Blow your healing touch, your splendid courage, your mighty strength, your perfect peace into all whose bodies and souls suffer today, those who are ill, who face death, who are in great distress, who are burnt out, who feel abandoned and betrayed by life, who've lost hope. Hear the names of these for whom we pray as we speak them aloud before you. Pour out your spirit upon us and upon our world today. Have mercy on planet Earth, the world you love at one another's throats in so many ways. Give government leaders around the world the courage to make decisions that will alleviate these divisions, that will bring peace and justice and end to human suffering. We pray for your church in Syria and throughout the Middle East. This weekend, we give you thanks, especially for our country, for all who've sacrificed for our freedom. Watch over and keep all who serve our country. Grateful for your gifts, 
mindful of the communion of your people throughout history and around the world, we offer to you now these gifts, asking that you will use them and that you will use us for your purposes in this world. Even as we pray for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Sing, church. lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, don't burn out, stay refueled and aflame in the Spirit of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.